It began two years ago in an unfinished nuclear power plant. It became one of the most challenging motion pictures ever made. And on August 9th, the most original adventure of the summer will begin at theaters everywhere. From James Cameron, the writer and director of The Terminator and Aliens, comes The Abyss. Say hi, motherfucker! Welcome to Doubled Feature, the podcast about twin films. I'm Dan. I'm Max. Max, we've been watching stuff. Let's start the show. Oh, yeah. Just started. Hello. (laughs) We're in it. Max, we both watched a movie separately. We did watch a movie separately. I invited you to watch it together. You said, I'm going to go get dinner. I said, yeah, that's okay. I uh, went to the new ramen place in town. It was pretty mid. That's what I heard. That's what uh, good friend Ryan told me as well when I yeah. saw him on Saturday. Did he tell you that really bad water? Yeah, he yeah, he oh was man, really I fixated on the water being bad. I wish I could remember exactly what he said it tasted like, but he had a very specific um, like descriptor to use for it, where it's like you could tell he had really been thinking about it. <laughs> it was like had to really process like exactly what it tasted like. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad he did. I just wish I could remember what he said. Yeah. The I mean, he just said it tastes like sink water to me, but <laughs> I don't know if he got more in depth at some point. He said he uh, had a thing. Yeah. By the time I was done eating my ramen, you were probably about done watching the movie that we both watched. It is Prey, the new Predator prequel, I guess. Um, yeah, it's a prequel. People have been like calling you said, it it's an origin like a, story for a gun. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert that doesn't take anything away from the movie. Yeah, it's just a spoiler alert from a gun that uh, I don't think everyone would remember. I definitely remembered from uh, the end of Predator, Predator 2. Well, and that uh, was kind of the um, part of the sort of media build to the movie uh, years ago when Dan Trachtenberg said that he was like working on it was that they were going to use some of the like mythos from the end of predator 2 like you said where you go into the predator ship and see a bunch of like trophies throughout the years and a lot of people thought it was going to be because it's like a pirate sort of like flintlock pistol you know you find out in the movie it's from like french colonists um but people thought it was like oh this is going to be this is going to be a like predator versus pirates uh, I remember talking about that years ago and the just like bullshit schlock B movie lover in me was extremely excited for it. Yeah, I'm fine and, for um, I'm fine for uh PvP uh Predator yeah. vs. Pirates. And uh you know what? We didn't get that, but what we got was still a shit ton of fun. I thought Predator vs. Native Americans, yeah. Uh yeah, Comanche uh Huntress, warrior woman, named Naru, 
uh, she's not really, she's an aspiring hunter when the movie starts. Yes, uh, she gets by a Amber whole arc of wanting Mid- to become a hunter, wanting to be respected as a yep. woman who can hunt. Well, she has a cool dog. Played by Amber Mid Thunder. The rest of the cast, all of the um, uh, all of the you know Comanche people are played by actual indigenous actors, which is fucking great. Rules. It's like the first movie. I think ever to star like a fully indigenous cast for their appropriate characters and the predator too is played by a real predator. Yeah. It's <laughs> they really they, got, they got the alien. <laughs> uh, but it's great. I'm, I'm actually, uh, well, I'll, I'll say this, I guess first is um, really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, uh, it's talked good. to, I talked to Ryan about this when I saw him on Saturday as well in that like me and Kulid and our friend Ali, we watched it together in a very sort of like all three of us were very excited for the movie. So it was a lively uh, viewing party of three. We were hooting and hollering, having a really good time. Told Ryan he probably would have liked it more if he had watched it like with our group because we kind of just... We're there for the violence, and there was plenty of violence, and the Predator did cool stuff, and it it was fun. I thought it was a really fun movie. Yeah, there's been um, yeah, I liked it too. Um, they there's been a lot of discourse about this movie because everybody's like, "Oh, it's just some girl. Predator's woke now. She wouldn't be able to take yeah. out a predator. She's not Jesse Ventura and." Shane Black and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers, like she never. Meanwhile, like take. almost all of those guys have publicly said that Naru is like one of the most badass characters in the entire franchise. Jesse Ventura loved the movie. Right, also, like a major point of every single Predator movie is you can't beat it. You have to like, yeah, you have uh, to trick uh, it. You have to figure out its manner of thinking and uh, use that against it in some way, which, I mean, Arnold had to cover himself in dirt to and uh, uh, mud to basically and become uh, camouflaged and invisible to it in return to be able yeah, to lure exactly. it out like and he, explode it. He had, to, he had to trick it and trap it and outsmart it, and it wasn't like... It's just it's. I love when movies like this come out, and um, I haven't watched it yet. But like similarly, the uh, new Kevin Bacon slasher that's on Peacock called They Them, which I haven't seen as much discourse from because people weren't as excited for it, and it's turning out to just seem to be not as good of a movie. But the discourse around that seems to be more that it's just not that great of a film, and not like to have you know people just sending out you know social justice dog whistle shit and like really telling on themselves. But it's always funny to see the discourse in movies like this, where, like I said, people just tell on themselves by being like, yeah, I didn't like the movie. I, I can't believe a woman can do things. Right. Just like fundamentally not getting like the movie predator, like not understanding that like the predator tore through everybody and Arnold had to like outthink it to win. It had nothing to do with being a big bulky man. Like the fact you don't have the, the very small level of uh, interior thought needed to realize. Uh, this is like the that's, uh, how, the that's how you beat the predator. God damn it! People are dumb the, as shit. The film equivalent of uh, all those uh, right wing 
idiots realizing that Rage Against the Machine is a punk band and does not share their political beliefs and getting mad that Tom Morello and Zach De La Rocha are tweeting leftist ideology. I I, I assume you mean like punk ethos and not punk music. Yes, yes, yes. Let me me just bail you out that one before we have to hear about that one later on. Yeah, I'm sure someone... Max Max thinks uh, Rage Against the Machine is punk, dude. Uh, More punk than a lot of punk bands. Got got your back, dude. Um, But yeah, Praise Good. Easily watchable on Hulu, so... Watch it. If yeah, you it's, like a, it's a really, it's a really fun movie, and um, got me zazzed got, back up to finish uh, my entire watch through the Wayland Utani universe, uh, which uh, I think the only movie in there I haven't seen is Soldier, which is only like loosely connected, maybe. Oh to yeah, it, but. yeah. Uh, I do want to give a shout out also to, um, and I, I wish this had just been the way they had done the movie. I th- wish they had gone a full apocalypto and said we're gonna just have our actors say their lines. But there is on Hulu a version that you can watch that is fully dubbed in Comanche, so it's in in the like true to form native language, and uh, I fully plan on watching it. Uh, the only reason we didn't watch it is um, I am watching a dub. Uh yeah, dub, dubs are distracting. That's why I wish they had just watching like RRR I said, was super distracting because Netflix only avail has it available in Hindi when the spoken language is Telugu. Yeah, uh, and like I don't understand either one. So like, why aren't you just giving me the language the characters are speaking? So I mean, du- dubs are distracting, but uh, we were also watching it in like a group setting, so it was just a little bit easier to watch the English. Uh, yeah, you course. know, audio. But I fully plan on rewatching it with that because it's really fucking cool. I think it's also, again, like the first movie to ever be put out with a Comanche audio audio track. And um, it's worth watching. I think it's important to give stuff like that, obviously, the um, the attention and time that it deserves. So this actually watch, I'm just I'm just checking where I've got my um, my standing of um, Wayland Utani universe uh we're not counting alien resurrection i realize i haven't seen alien resurrection either uh not counting alien resurrection or alien covenant i'm sorry alien covenant's one i haven't seen still uh we're not counting that or soldier or serenity because i haven't seen it in so long that uh it's not on my well, list that, until i rewatch that one it. is that one's very that's like soldier two where it's like super right super yeah barely it's like an easter egg that it's in some way involved but i've got all the alien all the predator and uh both blade runner movies on here uh and i got prey sitting at uh pretty much tied with predator uh two as like my eighth slash ninth spot so did pretty decent uh it also helps that there's a lot of bad sequels to some of these movies yeah i mean i i, I don't think it quite gets up to um the first film at least but the the first film you know it's one of those things where it's got so much oh like, i don't think this movie's even history and like built up like stuff in it i i mean i think it's the second best predator um in my opinion uh um, i just like alien vs predator enough that i have that above it but yeah the the first alien vs predator is is a fun enough entertaining movie like where you actually like get like the full-on like xenomorph first predator fights and stuff and it's cool it's just like 
the rest of the stuff is so bloated. Like the, all the human stuff is just bloated and I mean, unnecessary. We, yeah, we've probably t- we talk about it so much that we've probably talked about it on the podcast that we hate the fucking human aspect of specifically the two Alien vs Predator movies. Requiem is way worse. That movie's like Requiem's really horrible. fucking horrible, bad movie. horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, but in Alien vs Predator as well, there's just too much human stuff. When I just want to see aliens fighting predators but beyond that i i i really i love this setting that like these scientists find this if you haven't seen it this temple underground that we learn is has being been used it's underneath like the arctic or, or antarctica or something like that it's yeah. in the arctic circle or yeah, something. yeah yeah but they find this like uh temple underground this like pyramid underground and you learn through the movie that the predators have been coming here for years. It's like a rite of passage training ground where they dump off like fledgling hunters and be like, "Prove yourself, uh, kill a like xenomorph, killing it, killing it, yeah, killing a <laughs> xenomorph, yeah." So they've been growing xenomorphs, which uh, on, on Earth, Earth, which is insane, kind of like in Prey, where uh, Naru is trying to do her kutamiya. It's it's also insanely weird in that movie. God, we can't be talking about Alien vs Predator, but. Like, Alien vs. Predator happens, like, at least a good couple hundred years before Alien. So it's, yeah. like, crazy that <laughs> there have been xenomorphs on Underneath Earth the Arctic for, Circle like, for well, Like, years. other places, too, because you see them in, like, uh, in, like, old flashbacks about them being around in ancient times. You see them coming out of, um, uh, like, a ziggurat in like ancient mexico or something too at one point oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. which is a really cool scene but what the fuck are you talking about continuity wise um anyway, anyway no, uh yeah another pretty, movie pretty we talked you talked about it briefly last night or last week not last night i watched it last night um the movie's called and now cure. we can, we'll talk about it more yeah it's called cure directed by um i want to say this guy's name right yoshi kurosawa Yoshi Kurosawa. Uh, he directed Pulse, which is a movie that I've been like really looking forward to watch. Oh, I've got actually something to send to you. Is It was on Reddit. Apparently, a decent number of his movies are just available on YouTube. Uh, or at least were at some point. I haven't verified these links. So hopefully they're still up there. But I'll I already have like a mega upload box of all of the uh, like unavailable ones so okay good nice. good looking out but don't worry about it um but uh yeah it's uh how'd you like to cure? a ton of stuff i liked cure i thought cure was great i really enjoyed it um very kind of just creepy little police procedural horror film yeah, um, where uh, spoilers to follow at least minimally yeah a guy uh who has amnesia is uh hypnotizing people into uh fulfilling their darkest desire by killing someone they have a slight uh unease with very much like the joker himself he's uh hypnotizing people into uh parting the veil of politeness that only slightly separates them in society from their darkest desires actually a big sneeze i did sneeze um I mean, I think Amnesia, I guess is more spoilers, is pretty... It remains to be seen whether or not he's actually an amnesiac. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, like, medically diagnose him with it, but also it... 
It only comes up when it's convenient. He seems to be selectively uh, amnesiaed. But yeah, I mean, what was your kind of like, do you, what do you think was sort of like the take? I've seen stuff just coming from, (laughs) ranging from extremely mild to kind of like what, like the actually was like going on uh, very straightforward to the, like, oh yeah, this is guy just like uh, hypnotizing people to people saying that um, my, was it Mia Mia or I forget what his, his last name was the, yeah. the guy, the amnesia. Mamiya, I think. Yeah. M-A-M-I-Y-A, I think. Uh, from people saying that he is actually Satan and, uh, it, he's like the man in the video that they watch that they get from the. Uh, oh, he's uh, Mesmer himself. He's like not not Mesmer. The, just he is the person who brought. Uh, well, uh, they're not even either one. He's just the devil doing doing the hypnotism. He's the figure that walks past the screen in the. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean video. Uh. The, the movie at no point leads me to believe that the devil is no, real and lives insane. in this world. I, I so that's, I, I don't that's know like why one that of those types take. of, yeah, that's one of those types of literary takes, like literary criticism that I hate, where you just make something up. Like he's devil like, well, there's well, obvious know, solutions to being the goddamn devil, but at no point am I like, yeah, this guy's actually the real devil from the Bible. The worst thing about it to me was that, uh, you know we've talked about before like you and i both english majors we that's our background in terms of like how we go about like critiquing things but like fundamental to that like if you're gonna make these arguments like you have to be able to back it up and it was literally just somebody being like no that proves he's the devil and you know that's you need a wailing like scene where uh, the movie ends with a guy turning into a <laughs> demon and saying i am the devil he the, this one of the person, best movies I've ever seen in my life. The Wailing, uh, don't, the Wailing don't, fucking rules. I'm gonna rewatch that, it. Yeah, don't make that uh, let you think that it's a bad movie because it is so so good and that scene's it's, great. It's but, fucking sick. But no, this person at one point becomes the devil and says, "I am the devil." And that's this person what I need. did not even attempt to argue their uh, their thesis. Here It was just like, "Nah, he's the devil." Now this proves it. Just like, okay, cool. I don't even I, think no, that's I mean, an interesting take either. I think no. what's so much more interesting is he, he, like I said, my little joker, we live in a society monologue a second ago about how uh, he's just parting the veil of uh, social uh, politeness into uh, brutally murdering loved ones with no remorse. Yeah, I think I think he's somebody that just kind of found this sort of, that hypnotism can unlock your sort of like true self and it right. just like i mean like you said just kind of like parts the veil and like lowers those walls and now he's sort of like out there like a i mean you you say the joker i'll say just for the sake of something else like a charles manson type thing like preaching his sort of like yeah just get rid of like start stop you know like be your real self just turning Uh, a a normal person into a cold-blooded killer and forcing these people to do it um via like this hypnotism um i would just as like a just to give like a american analog to it 
I would say like maybe just for the sake of like um, recommendation for people who might not be sold already, like it very feel it feels like um, seven to me. Yeah. Kurosawa has said that seven was a big influence on this movie, and you and you can you can tell. So like if if you've seen seven and you're into that kind of like dark police procedural horror like we've, vibe we, type of we've movie. got Here the killer like just that we've got the killer the whole time but the machinations in place we can't prove it's him like he's literally in custody for most of the movie and we can't yeah. get him well and he's also he's a uh, he's in custody not only is he in custody most of the movie he's a persistent character like we we meet him and spend time with him prior to him being caught by the police right he's not like a specter behind the police Hannibal Lecter style. They're, they're just other trying to figure stuff out behind the scenes. It's yeah, it's literally yeah. Um, uh, but it's good. It's a good movie. There's a lot of like really cool visuals and stuff. It, um, it it builds tension like in a way I've barely experienced before. Like, uh, this movie like lulls you into thinking like, oh, just don't look at his lighter, and I wouldn't get hypnotized. And then as soon as he uh, spills the water cup with the doctor. I'm like, oh boy, he's he's ten steps ahead of me, this motherfucker. Then when the water starts dripping, when they're uh, they're talking in his cell at one point, I'm like, that oh was, fuck, he's got him, dude. That was insane, and I don't even know, like, that's like, there's a couple of things in the movie that are like truly feel unexplainable, supernatural. I mean, is as long as you're accepting that hypnotism is a real thing within this universe but like supernatural for this even even this world and that sort of just like the water pooling above um right. the detective in that scene is that was like actually probably the most unsettling oh it's terrifying moment in the film to me especially cuz that then that scene cuts out and we're not in it anymore i, yeah, I, I mean, think we don't I think right after that is when all. he goes home and finds his wife and we get the what I call the blender reverse jump scare. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. Is. That was one of the most effective jump scares. And it's literally like you see the horrible thing and the characters are reacting to it. And then the jump is the reality that reality is normal. Real. Yeah. And well, it is so that, fucking um, jarring. I don't want to give the, the whole thing away. Cause yeah. it's like, a, I think a master stroke. The thing with the, um, like that, the pool of water, like kind of like becoming this like rain cloud above him in that cell is that, we're only there with those two characters. So there's literally nothing in that moment to ground this to reality, especially when we've seen that characters have been having hallucinations. They're like experiencing uh, these visions that are otherworldly and not real. But then uh, the jump out of that moment is the psychologist guy. Who's like the detectives like partner on this coming into the cell and seeing that the detective has beat up Mamiya and like knocked him out and that you can see behind him that there's a little pool of water that has run off the table like and onto the ground so like that immediately like we we should be out of it by all means and there's like just that little that little hint that little notion that no that was all of that was real it really happened and there is no explanation for it Um, also the waitress picking up the knife one of the best, uh, one of the best final images in a movie. Yeah, <laughs> so oh, and, and there's good. so much, there's so much implication just in that final scene, and we 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 won't go into it because we've been talking about this for a while now. But 
there was apparently an alternate version that is filmed and that you can find somewhere that shows the waitress actually going to kill someone and it's so much better with just the implication that is she just picking up a knife or yeah is something far more sinister lie beneath right i don't know um what else have you watched let's do two let's do each like individual ones. i'll I'll fire off one real quick you've already heard me talk about it a little bit it's 1986 a horror movie called blood hook yeah Uh, i gotta watch this this is a this is a real shitty horror movie um I think the guy who directed it is uh, he went on to like be in mystery science theater, but has never directed another movie. Um, man, this movie is so fucking good. It's about uh, your classic eighties horror teens who go to a cabin and um, uh, up North somewhere, I think uh, Michigan or Wisconsin uh, and everybody's uh, fishing for their like Lake uh, tournament fish, uh, the muskie. Everybody has musky madness. They're all going crazy trying to catch the biggest fish. Uh, and we get all kinds of classic uh, shitty horror tropes. Uh, not really a spoiler to say that there's a killer on the loose who is killing people by um, uh, casting a giant fishing lure at them and like cutting their face or just like spinning their head off. Uh, Man, this, <laughs> this is perfect. There's just stupid teens doing dumb stuff that doesn't make any sense. There's a lady who loves the bird, a loon. I guess it's some type of bird. I don't really yeah. think, it, I think it's like, like a, a duck. duck. Yeah. Uh, she loves these loons. She's the first one to get it. R.I.P. Crazy loon lady. Uh, I can't recommend this one enough for 80s B-horror bullshit. Oh, man. It scratches all those itches. Max, what you got? Oh. I watched uh, a movie from last year, or at least it did festivals and stuff last year. I'm not sure. It's it, it's exists in that realm where I'm not a t- like it says 2021 on Letterbox, but I don't know if it's but it's available to watch now. Uh, we're all going to the World's it, Fair. It definitely came out like the beginning of this year that we could see it. Um, and it is a sort of found part found footage, part traditional. Um psychological horror coming of age uh film directed by uh jane schoenbrunn um and it's it's pretty good i i i don't think it fully it didn't like fully resonate with me but like it's a good movie it's well made um about this uh teenager who um does basically one of these internet challenges called the world's fair challenge um, that is part internet challenge, kind of like Slender Man or like, you know, saying Bloody Mary or, you know, something like that. Um, and part this sort of like immersive MMORPG where you upload videos and make these kind of short films and stuff like that. So the whole thing is just kind of following her as she's either experiencing the actual horror and changes of the world's fair challenge or is she kind of you know is it real is it not what's happening to her um her interactions with another player um in the game and it's definitely got some like unnerving stuff in it um and i could i could see where somebody i think somebody who's like a little bit younger than i am a little bit younger than we are maybe in that like 20 to 25 range who's like into 
these kind of films, like the same kind of sensibilities we might have would see this and be like, this is the hottest shit. Um, this is speaking to my generation. Yeah. Yeah. And Living I, our lives online. I think I'm just a little bit too old to have like gotten every single ounce out of this, but like I can tell it's there for the right person. Um, you might say this I, is I kind of really the, well the Gen Z equivalent of unfriended to dark web. Yeah, maybe a movie that we're gonna watch on this podcast at some point. Is maybe Unfriended Two Dark Web on our list? I don't know if Unfriended Two is. I know Unfriended okay. is. Um, um, but, but yeah, the I, World's Fair is like a it's like a big quarantine movie, right? Like somebody just like made it in their house. Yes, I mean I think there's like three people in it totally like rips a bunch of like YouTube content and sort of you know different shit like that. Um, and uh, yeah, you kind of gotta I mean, give movies credit for making it work while everybody was alone. There was that um, was it I think called Windfall maybe the one where it's uh, Jesse Eisenberg and um, fucking I think it's Lily Collins and Jason Segel where it's just like the not three Jesse of Eisenberg, them. Um, oh, not other... uh, Jesse Plemons. Jesus Christ, Jesse Plemons, the, yeah. the Jesse I love, not the Jesse I don't really like. Sorry, sorry, Plem dog. Uh, no, and we're all going to the world's fairs. Got enough, uh, going on there that I'm interested to see what, um, this director does coming up. They've got a, uh, a 24 movie coming out in at some point. Uh, it's, it's been announced. It's called, I saw the, I saw the TV glow, um, sort of sounds, similar, sounds like more similar stuff ideas. about technology being haunted. Yeah. Yeah. So you know they're really tapped into a certain certain thing here so i mean online's real life now real life is just a product of online anymore yeah but we're All talking right. about some movies yeah, from uh, back in the scene. day slightly before either of us were born uh we're talking about uh two 1989 movies about deep sea workers encountering an otherworldly entity in the ocean depths next one should tell us about leviathan I'd love to tell you about Leviathan. Uh, we've got Leviathan from 1989, directed by George P. Cosmatos. Welcome back to the pod, George. You directed Rambo. I mean, directed Rambo 1 and 2, so like you you still got to come back just for another round. Just two. Oh, I thought he would do the right one? Maybe not? No. I thought he was involved in one. Never mind. Well, Rambo 2, the one we've already talked about. Oh, Tombstone is the one. Tombstone's on the list too, so he's he's. Still I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna back. talk about all this as soon as we start talking about this movie. So let's let's buzz through it. Right anyway, now. it's starring uh, RoboCop, Ernie Hudson, and one of the Wet Bandits. It's Peter Weller, Daniel Stern, and Ernie Hudson. Um, Richard Crenn is there. Amanda Pays. A bunch of people. There's a lot of people in this movie. Three days before ending their stay at the bottom of the ocean, a deep-sea silver mining team stumbles upon the wreckage of a sunken Russian warship named Leviathan. Team Yuckster, six-pack, brings back a safe he believes to be full of riches. Uh, it really just contains some documents and a captain's log revealing that the Leviathan was scuttled. Now, the Russians sunk their own ship. It also reveals that members of the Leviathan had come down with a strange medical condition, and six-pack is the first member of the team to become infected and die from the same disease. Uh, another one of the crew members, Bowman, comes down with the same in illness and kills herself in fear. The crew places the bodies together and they become a deep sea thing that the crew battles for the rest of the film. That's like 
actually the thing, the two Cap- corpses capital merged T together. thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew what you meant. Uh, RoboCop, Ernie, and another lady make it out, but so does the thing, and it uh, it kills Ernie Hudson, and then uh, Peter Weller hits it with a one-liner and blows it up with a grenade, and that's the <laughs> end of the movie. Uh, I don't mean to be flippant. I really enjoyed this movie, but it's it, it turns into very typical light monster movie plot. fare through yeah, the majority plot. of the movie. Uh, it's got a Rotten Tomatoes criminal. I, I find this because I thought this movie was a blast. Uh, criminally low Rotten Tomatoes with a critic of 24 and an audience of 26. Letterboxd sitting more where I think it should be at a 2.9. Um, it, this movie was a full-on fucking flop. Uh, it's actually pretty that's kind of like what it's most known for is just being a flop it uh had a 25 million dollar budget and only made about 15 million um total like u.s and worldwide oh the other movie also uh i don't know pretty kind of a flop the abyss 1989 directed by sir james cameron himself starring ed harris mary elizabeth mastrantonio mastrantonio and michael bean it's a hard, uh, way too Italian last name to say. An American nuclear sub is mysteriously sank near the Cayman Trough. With the potential of Soviets moving in and a hurricane covering the area, a team of SEALs is sent to Deep Core, a privately owned deep sea drilling platform nearby. Deep Core's designer, Dr. Lindsay Brigman, goes with the SEAL team despite her estranged husband, husband Virgil Bud Brigman, being the foreman. Lights circle the ship, which they decide is an NTI or non-terrestrial intelligence. Lieutenant Hiram Coffey, the SEAL team leader, receives orders outside the rescue mission to recover a Trident missile from the sub. The hurricane hits and a crane falls from above, dragging the deep core farther into the depths without contact from the surface, flooding it and killing many crew members. Coffee continues to succumb to high-pressure nervous syndrome and increasingly fights with the crew trying to kill Bud. Coffee successfully launches the missile into the trench but drifts over the ridge and implodes from the pressure. Bud and Lindsay are stuck with only one diving suit and decide to let her drown in a hypothermic state and resuscitate her back on deep core. Somehow, after a grueling scene, that works and the two seem reconciled. Bud volunteers to dive to disarm the warhead. He does, but doesn't have air to return. As death nears, an NTI appears and takes him to their massive alien city deep in the trench where they've created an atmospheric pocket for him. The alien city ascends, bringing a saved Bud and the entire deep core to the surface. Movie had an estimated 43 to $47 million budget. Uh, I think that's because they went, it was originally 43 and they went over budget $4 million bucks. Um, to that 47 number made 90 million at the box office got a letterbox rating of 3.6 Rotten Tomatoes critic of 88 and user of 83 Max you'd never seen The Abyss before had you uh no I mean I'd seen parts of it it um um, just on TV and stuff it was the only James Cameron movie I hadn't seen I think before uh watching through his filmography uh about a year and a half two years ago something like that um, fairly low down on the rankings for me. It's uh, sitting at uh, six out of eight, uh, only beating out True Lies and uh, the movie that I don't even really count, Piranha 2, The Spawning. Uh, but uh, uh, James Cameron uh, never really misses. So uh, even being at the bottom, near the bottom of the list, uh, I still think this movie is really good. Um, did you read anything before we get into the plot about uh how insanely grueling the shoot was uh no i've heard stuff about it just because they did 
a bunch of stuff underwater and like you know james cameron is he's he's a man that you know i'll paraphrase this just for the sake of uh brevity but he's he's a man that read about some deep sea diving and said i'm gonna make that my entire fucking life uh and he's he's done it yeah before um before titanic uh this was his movie where they had to invent completely new deep sea technology to uh film it uh it was a grueling six month shoot which is insanely long it's a very long gestation period for a film remote south carolina that's just principal photography was six months in a remote uh, place in South Carolina where they had at the time two the two largest uh, filtered freshwater tanks in the entire world that they were filming in. Uh, they had to like put a like insanely large tarp over it to make it dark enough, but like still have visibility to shoot um, multiple like uh, camera guys and stuff had to like decompress by hanging upside down and uh, inhaling straight oxygen every day to surface again. Um, They were working 70 hour weeks, like uh, 70 hour days, six hour, six day weeks constantly. Like uh, we only hear it from those three main actors I listed, but they all suffered like mental breakdowns. Uh, Michael Bean was freaking out because he had to be on set the whole time for like six months. And he said he only shot for like three to four weeks. Uh, yeah, Ed I, Harris I, would sob every day on his way home. I've heard that. I've also heard that uh, Ed Harris assaulted uh, James Cameron at one point because they filmed him almost drowning and like just kept rolling instead of like everyone rushing to help him. Yeah. So there's uh, an important part late in the movie uh, where they use um, a technology that's actually real, um, where an oxygenated water solution is like pumped into a suit and you inhale the water and breathe the water it's it seems like sci-fi in the movie but it's actually a real thing and the rat that we see like be submerged in it is actually surviving uh doing it which is crazy but um it it's never been like fully tested on humans i guess um but they're implying that ed harris is using it at one point so he's literally holding his breath underwater in a helmet filled with water as they're shooting those scenes of his actual face. So I assume they get it off in some way and uh, uh, somebody swims over and like gives him actual oxygen. But that's uh, just insanity. Dude. Absolutely yeah. insane. Multiple people were like, this is one of the hardest movies that's ever been shot. And it's like insane that people didn't actually die in the film. But uh, yeah, it's uh, this is a crazy one. Um, yeah, let's, let's get right into it. Um, the movie opens on that nuclear sub we mentioned. Uh, oh, the guy. uh, wait, I do, I do have something I need to mention before we fully get into this. Um, is that I downloaded, I didn't realize this, but I, I apparently downloaded and watched the unrated director's cut. Oh, you watched the director's cut? that clocks in at nearly two or uh, nearly three hours long. It's like two fifty five or something like that. Okay. I watched the theatrical cut and let me tell you, we probably should have synced this up, huh? 
I, I don't, well, I don't know how much it'll add, so I'll let you go, you know, like like normal, you can go through your synopsis, and I'm not going to remember what scenes I saw or didn't see anyway. <laughs> um, I do not recommend watching the director's cut in any way, shape, or form. It is entirely too long. Yeah, it, my cut was two hours and 20 minutes. It drags it drags and drags and drags uh it it feels extremely disjointed because of how far apart a lot of like some of the more key parts on like it feels like it's three different movies happening um and i'm just glad somebody had the wherewithal to tell james cameron to shut the fuck up and get out of the edit room uh because he he made uh what i could tell would be is is still like a decent movie uh significantly worse uh, because it felt like a fucking slog at nearly three hours long. Yeah, I, I, I remember reading that James Cameron had final cut on the movie uh, as long as it came in uh, under, I think under two and a half hours, and he cut it to that 220, and then released his, it looks like two hours and 50 minutes. Um, from what I understand, the movie focuses way more on the Russian aspect and the uh bud and um Lindsay uh reconciling their marriage aspect like their interpersonal but uh i didn't yeah, see the, that so the I, alien I, the aliens feel like an afterthought i mean we literally see like when Lindsay sees like the like little jellyfish ones and then like the bigger like jellyfish kind of looking thing um that's we probably don't see an alien or even really even mention an alien out of some passing comments for like another almost hour and a half. And it, it just, it makes the movie feel so disjointed and weird. And, um, is that like, they don't see it again until like the waterhead comes out. Mm hmm. Damn. I mean, that's how the normal movie does, but there's not a bunch of shit in the middle. There's so much extra stuff. It like the alien stuff just feels like such an afterthought. And then that becomes like the final 40 minutes of the movie it, with, you know, Ed Harris going down to the bottom or whatever. And I just, yeah. it, ju- it just feels so fun. It's horribly paced, horribly, horribly, Damn. horribly paced. So, so we'll get into that probably more than once we're actually to the alien city. Cause that's pretty sparse in this cut. And I've heard it gets extended in yours, but uh, yeah. So anyway, we watch different cuts. Whoops. Um, yeah, opens on that submarine. Um, they see some bright lights they don't understand uh, pretty quickly. Uh, we found out the sub is going to crash. Uh, really, really good, um, like, flooding uh, ship sinking scene, I think. Uh, I really like the moment we get with the captain of the ship when um, they're trying to, like, shut down engines and stuff, and he, you like, quietly see him realize what's going on and he uh he tells somebody to launch the probe that will like show where they're sinking he knows they're going down all the way um opening titles pretty normal and interesting um as soon as uh we're then on the ship finding out or we're on like the base camp of the ship like where they dispatch these uh drilling rigs from uh to chris elliott uh getting the news which he's a fun guy randomly to see in the movie uh also ken jenkins uh the old guy from scrubs yeah so dr like, kelso 
Dr. Kelso. That's his he's name. my he's my that guy of the week. Yeah, I mean he's a great one, and he is in this movie a small enough amount. I'm trying to think if I have anybody else I picked. Uh, Ernie Hudson's like the best part of Leviathan. He's like in it way too much to be a guy. So yeah, I didn't really list one. I listed those guys early as like some options, but then forgot to narrow it down. Yeah, Dr. Kelso, <laughs> unanimous guy of the week, I think. Um, but he's the suit in charge. He calls out to uh, uh, the undersea deep core rig uh, to Ed Harris. Uh, goes by Bud the whole movie, only his ex-wife calls him Virgil at one point. Um, but tells him that uh, his team's got to go on this rescue mission because they're the closest ones nearby. They can't send to the military because uh, this hurricane's threatening. Um, they got to go check this sub for survivors. Um, we get a good look at like his motivations immediately because he's he's like a tough as nails guy. Um, he's like serious and like short-tempered and whatnot he's not uh he's fine with telling the suits off that uh uh he basically tells him if if any of my guys are in danger i'm pulling the plug right away but he wants them all to get down there because they all want to go because they're getting triple pay uh what he doesn't realize is his uh estranged wife uh linda is also going to be joining because she designed the deep core and wants to be there so she rides down with uh the Navy SEAL team. Uh, let's see. Uh, this part that I absolutely loved is uh, they're talking about the hurricane coming. And uh, <laughs> I, I think that hurricane's name was like Eric or something. I think it's Frank. Frank. Yeah. Something like uh, that. Maybe Frederick. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, Ed Harris says, I think hurricane should be named after women. And then immediately the guy who he's talking to, uh, the door in his office opens. His ex-wife enters the room with uh, the storm at her back, blows a bunch of papers around and stuff. Uh, just just really good. Very just, funny little just visual Just making gag. a movie. Um, she's coming down with the seals. She's uh, telling them all about the issues of uh, being like susceptible to the pressure and whatnot. Uh, they all talk like they're tough seal guys. Uh, but uh, Michael Bean's character... Uh, Lieutenant Coffee, um, immediately already showing signs as soon as they get there, like his hand shaking and shit. Uh, I wonder if this guy's gonna get deep sea madness. Um, we're uh, we spend a little time uh, with the laborers, like the people on the rig, just like regular oil drilling types. Uh, they're all very cool. There's a tall one. There's a fat country one. Uh, there's a cool black lady with a cowboy hat. There's a guy who has a rat. Basically, every type of guy you'd hope to have. Yeah, we, um, we've got some. We've got some characters. Uh, yeah. It's a good time. It's it makes for like a really. It's a very entertaining cast. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's perfectly. Like he's taking the right stuff from Alien, where it's like, oh yeah, we like these guys because they're just working stiffs. They're just doing a job. They. Uh, they don't know what they're fucking getting into. They don't know they're about to find underwater right. aliens. Uh, and we like it. I, I do. Um, here we get that scene uh, where one of the seals is exposing uh, the guy's pet rat to that breathable liquid. Um, it's honestly a kind of scary scene because he's really upset. And you see the rat in a lot of distress as it learns to breathe 
through its like swallow inhale the liquid and breathe through its lungs basically you have to let yourself drown to start yeah. breathing it which as we uh, learned earlier from this very episode is that that's real yeah a uh, uh, real technology i guess and they really yeah. did it to this rat <laughs> I, I just saw that like uh one of the things is that like apparently while they were filming that scene though because it is like a real thing is uh the only reason they cut away from the rat at any moment like the the original intent was to stay on the rat the entire time uh is that the rat actors kept shitting while they were (laughs) panicking so they had to like stop and clean out the liquid and kind of start over again who among us couldn't say the same yeah you had to keep keep uh letting these rats relive this horror until one of them's finally empty of shit Something that I uh, found very distracting in this kind of scene where they're like sort of first getting suited up to go go down to the actual submarine to do like the mission that they all believe they're actually there for um, is that they're wearing O'Neill branded um, wetsuits. Now, I understand that like O'Neill is like a real like wetsuit brand. It was just like very funny to me to watch working class people and navy seals wear the same brand of clothing that like the sticky kid from middle school bought at pack sun for 25 dollars <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> that had little cute. like hawaiian prints on just like one side and said o'neill on it uh, <laughs> <laughs> they might as well have been wearing like billabong yeah exactly it's just like anytime you see just like ron john brand placement that just is like yeah no i get it like o'neill makes wetsuits that real people use as like good quality wetsuits but also, like, Jonathan is spilling a shit ton of juice on it right now at lunch <laughs> in the third grade. Uh, and he's coming right, home. Right now real, in the third grade. Yeah, real wet and real sticky. <laughs> and uh, if things start to get sticky for our uh, for our cast and crew here. Yeah, we get down to the submarine. Perfect segue. They're, they're perfect. doing, they're finding, what a pretty tense scene just in general before yeah, any seems, of the actual like, really tension good. happens. Is well, I guess the tension's already happening, but them kind of going through um, this sub and just kind of like finding the dead bodies, like Ed Harris even is like, like we know we're gonna see like dead people down here. Let's get in, get out, see if we can find anyone that's still alive. Um, we, this this scene's extra good because like knowing how tough this movie was to shoot, I'm assuming that these were actually guys. Yeah, just like floating, like they definitely look like guys. Um, just floating there and you got to assume there's somebody like right around the corner ready to swim air over to them so they don't die but yeah they've got to just lay motionless we get the the one that really freaks uh the tall guy jammer out who unclear why he's even on this mission and it's not the seals but whatever um when uh, a crab crawls out of one of the dead bodies mouths he starts to freak out mm-hmm. uh uh I think what happens first is he's just freaking out really hard um, because he's like convinced everyone's dead. And I mean, it, it honestly made me think about being a confined space like that. Like I'm not a person who like gets freaked out necessarily, but in a confined space, like miles deep, you just can't get out. You don't have like bodily autonomy at that point. You don't have like a way to yeah. remove yourself from the situation in any You're way. You're just done. It's just, yeah. it's- there's no um, getting around it. So uh, they um, they leave him alone for a little bit. Uh, he he calms himself enough that he doesn't have to go back to the ship. 
uh, fuck up the mission. As long as as long as he can kind of stay where he's at, and you guys yeah. come get me on the way back. Yeah. Um, before um, we get like too further in and like kind of get to the action of the scene, I do want to mention that this was the point in the movie we had already gone kind of outside of the deep core and like some of the other stuff and been underwater and whatever. But uh, this is the moment that I kind of really started noticing that the um, and also like I was you know you know, we're maybe like forty minutes into the movie at this point and I'm like still like enjoying the ride and like absorbing images in the way that I'm supposed to. Um, but our, our cuts are probably pretty synced up yeah. to this point from what I understand. Maybe you got a little more Russian stuff by now, but, yeah. uh, but it's, um, the sound design is so, 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 so good. And it, probably partly because they were actually doing underwater stuff where it's like, you didn't need to go in and necessarily do too much Foley work to add on to it. But, um, it's a lot of just good bubbly underwater sounds as somebody who's like dove before like it's feels authentic it feels they did a good job of making you feel like it's actually underwater because i mean for the most part it is Uh, i've I've only snorkeled um but yeah i I meant to mention and forgot this movie was uh nominated for the academy award for uh art direction cinematography and sound uh and also for visual effects which it won Um, so what happens Jammer is there in his freaked out state he's kind of chilling until he sees uh, some bright lights uh, similar bright lights that shouldn't exist at at these depths or anywhere honestly um, that we saw when the sub was crashing earlier Um, and uh, we'll find out later that he he mistakes these for an angel taking him uh, to the next world uh, but he just freaks out. He gets the fuck out of there. Fuck out of there. He, um, he like smashes the back of his, uh, tank in like his haste to get away. And I, it like fucks up his oxygen mix. So he's like giving himself like pure oxygen and fucking himself up. So they have yeah, to, yeah, starts to have like a little seizure. Yeah. They have to like crank it way down, change up the mix or whatever for him. Um, but they get out of there. Um, but, uh, he uh he'll be in a coma now for uh quite a while um this is the part in mine where they um they start talking about the russians like pretty vaguely how much do they talk about russians in yours oh there is just kind of an underlying from the seals like we got to get in and the seals then go back out on another mission i think right around now when um they're they're supposed to like secure a warhead uh so what did they want to do wanted to detonate the sub to so russians can't get it and acquire the nuclear warheads is that yeah line some, up some, pretty well something to that effect kind of like their plan is to get um they've got these two like robot um submersibles that uh they call, original like, technology designed for this movie by the way they call like little pinhead and pinhead or something something like that like yeah. um, two remote submersible little crafts and a lot of the like there's just kind of this constant talk of how they're going to strap the warhead to pinhead or what you know whatever it's called and send it out kind of like put it in there i i guess to answer your original question though is i will say that the cut the director's cut makes the movie almost entirely about 
the Navy SEALs and their secondary mission, which is actually their primary mission. Um, where That's like happening in the background of this one. Where Co- Coffee feels like he is the main villain. Um, it is, there's a lot more about kind of like what's going on there. And like I said earlier, the alien stuff is an afterthought that happens that is like happening and then takes over the entire end of the film um after like coffee and all of them are dispatched like it literally feels like one of these movies ends at about you know an hour 45 and now we have to like quick get back to this alien subplot um well it's really like it it feels like it's a two two hour and ten minute movie about these navy seals alien stuff is happening and then there's 45 more minutes of let's kind of wrap up the what our movie actually is so the general structure remains the same then because uh shortly after this we go to just all seals and like in fighting on the ship but it doesn't last nearly that long it sounds like a good chunk of that extra 30 minutes was just seal stuff right about here yeah which uh it's not that bad so it's not like a big jump when we go back to alien stuff at the end but it definitely is like the seal stuff needs to get wrapped up before we get back to the alien and, stuff and this it's it's i i would even if there wasn't 30 minutes of it i wouldn't give a shit about really any of it because like you said the rest like this whole chunk of the movie is just sort of like coffee going crazy and becoming this sort of like megalomaniac um and not letting them do anything the ship uh they've tried to leave at this point i don't think we like maybe this is like the next thing that happens like in our actual order is that they're gonna leave um but the storm is like basically causing that to not be a pro like a possible a crane yeah, so the, falls the next thing and- that happens yeah the hurricane hits uh the crane from their like launch station above falls down uh just narrowly misses them but uh, then falls down into the trench and drags them with it, um, which causes them to be out of contact and triggers a giant flood that almost kills everybody. Um, really exciting, again, like, sinking sequence, like, the good shit from, like, uh, uh, at the bottom of the Titanic, uh, where, like, everything's starting to flood and we're getting those, like, lock the hatches, whatever sequences. Um yeah, this is a great scene. There's a great part where uh, uh, Ed Harris um, is rushing to a closing door and manages to shove his hand in at the last second, and his metallic uh, wedding band uh, wedges the door uh, to stay just open as much as his fingertips so some people can come and rescue him. It's the cool, big, uh, like, southern tough guy, trailer guy who's good. Um, crazy... <laughs> crazy how much they hit you over the head with metaphor that his wife uh and her love saves his life um literally with the embodiment of the wedding ring uh but they still haven't reconciled at that point they're kind of just picking at each other uh fighting about the best way to do things and who's endangering the mission and all this stuff um yeah that's when uh so they get the ship all back to livable um but they've got a tighter clock now and are out of out of contact with the above people the seals aren't in contact anymore so they're just going off the directive as they've been giving them which uh is to uh uh, 
use this uh, missile that they've smuggled back in her. Uh, at this point, the people on the ship have no idea uh, that they have a bomb aboard. Uh, but they have to go out and repair something, and that's when um, Linda gets pictures of an alien. Lindsay. Um, Lindsay, sorry. Uh, they have a conversation about it, about it being a non-terrestrial intelligence. They call it NTI for short. The rat guy says uh, that's even better than UFO. Or UFO works underwater flying objects um, is what he's dubbing it. But she's already convinced in the magic of this. Um, this is when the crew finds out about the bomb. Uh, they have a big blow-up thing. Coffee's still going crazy. He's got a gun ready to uh, defend himself in the bomb. Luckily, it doesn't come to that. Um the next big thing that happens is at night, uh, an alien uh, water ghost explores the ship. How would you? Is there a better way to describe that? It is the T one thousand, right? And that's in, it. In, that's in, all in, that's... in metal mode, but it's just a, a tentacle of water. Yeah, water. yeah, but it, it does kind of like it literally it, like James Cameron was like, we've already done this effect to like load load that shit up, make it look like Ed Harris. Let's go. Um, but yeah, there's some sort of the, it looks the like entity, Lindsay first and then it turns into Ed Harris. And the entity yeah. is exploring the ship, whatever, you know, this NTI um, is exploring the ship, uh, kind of like probing about and just kind of like looking at things. And this is, I, I think, when. This is the first time anyone other than Lindsay had like ex- sees it, and they they kind of like laugh off like her stuff early on, where they you know well, she has they're pictures not, of it, so they believe something's they going believe on it's there, sure. but they're kind of like this is not you know it's like whatever like there's they kind of treat it with a well there's more pressing stuff going on but cool um, right. and now, now we've it's got like this actual miraculous thing that they're all witnessing together unless you're watching the extended version and it's still just an afterthought because it's going to be way too long until we get back to this god damn it sucks um it's not very good the uh so they all are convinced it's like um a benevolent force they're all interested in it and uh it is them the actual crew members um but coffee and his uh increasing hysteria and paranoia uh, assumes it's some sort of Russian technology on a scouting mission trying to get his bomb. Uh, it's wild stuff. Um, this is when uh, Coffee starts going fully crazy. He's just like cutting his arm with a giant Bowie knife. Um, he does like a hostile takeover of the ship. Uh, he locks them in their side. Um, the big country guy and uh, Ed Harris have to swim out to come back on his side and stop him um the big guy can't make it anymore holding his breath the water's freezing we understand um and uh he has to wait behind ed harris goes and sneaks up behind him uh he's gonna hit him with a wrench coffee hears him coming uh coffee pulls a gun gun doesn't fire uh so they fight it out uh he is right there ready to kill ed harris and luckily the big country guy comes back he, he summoned the courage and shows up to save the day, not coffee out. This is, um, um the, cause during this like fight scene, we keep getting these like POV shots where it's like coffee's got a knife and it's like, you're kind of like seeing him being like, Oh, ah, ah, you know, jumping around yeah. like it's a good fight scene. It is. It's a pretty decent fight scene. Um, but this was one that I realized that like 
the movie uses and i don't know if it's necessarily like effective or even like necessary but the movie uses a lot of this like pov camera camera stuff um that once i noticed that it was like a thing that was happening i kind of realized that it was happening too much and it like almost became like a distraction but i am willing to add that it that may have just been because i was like already wanting this movie to be over by this point because it just was feeling so long sure that i I think here's another pov shot i think you would have liked the uh uh theatrical cut a heck of a lot more probably Um, sorry we didn't discuss this i knew there was a director's cut too but the first time i watched this i saw there was a director's cut and i saw a bunch of people say this is one of the few where a theatrical cut's probably better um i forgot at some point um one of the seals is hurt and there's one who's still like a true believer in coffee um when they're doing this like standoff bar the door or whatever to the missile room uh coffee's already gone like trying to get his sub ready to go um and luckily jammer comes out of his coma and overtakes the uh seals with a gun um uh, so that the hurt one who's uh, now on their side more than coffees um, can like instruct them about the deep sea suit and all this stuff. And we take the other one uh, prisoner. Um, that's when Jammer reveals that uh, he saw that the last thing he saw was that angel coming to carry him onto the next world. He's Jammer's a cool guy. I like Jammer. Um, but yeah, so uh, coffee escapes uh, in the submersible with his missile Um Linda, no, no, Lindsay, goddamn. Lindsay and uh, and Bud and Harris uh, take chase in their own submersible. Um, they're like bumping into each other and stuff, but it mostly just ends up with uh, Coffee sending the missile over the ridge but not detonating it and then falling over the ridge himself and uh, imploding in uh, in a ship from that deep sea pressure, which is yeah, very, the, very cool stuff. The implosion looks really fucking cool, too. Um, no idea how they get shot that. It's like my favorite <laughs> effect in the work. entire movie. It just looks great. Yeah, it's so sick. Um, we get... Now, I think one of the more important uh, scenes in the film is uh, they've successfully stopped Coffee from defeating his mission, um, but the bomb's still out there. Uh, they've got to get back to the ship, though, because their ship is breaking and taking on water. Uh, there is only one suit, and Ed Harris is the only one who's a strong enough swimmer to get back there. Um, Lindsay comes up with the absolutely insane plan uh, that she's going to use her mammalian uh, drowning response to uh, allow herself to drown in this cold water have him sw- to engage like hypoth- a th- hypothermic reaction uh so he yeah, her can blood will slow down her. that'll basically right. like make it so that her blood flow is so slow that she can uh, or survive the drowning basically uh because it'll slow every biological process down and allow her time to drown and be revived don't really know if this would work but uh that's the plan they have to go with uh they've now like pretty much reconciled they like kiss each other before doing this he doesn't want to do it at all but she like forces him to go through with this plan uh they do that they get her back to the ship and uh drop her on the uh 
on the ground there and immediately start trying to resuscitate. This scene is so long and so intense. It is so um, entirely way too fucking long. So let me let me add on to that. So we have to like open her shirt up. So she's just like lying on the floor with blue lips and stuff with her tits out. Yeah, uh, they're banging uh, on of, her chest. Ed one Harris of the first, slap her. Uh, one of the first times I remember seeing boobs in a film, <laughs> honestly. Uh, James Cameron, Terminator 1, uh, as I've said, uh, one of the most important uh, sex scenes in my young life. Um, so, like, he literally has to, like, hit her in the face. They're smashing on her chest and stuff. Um, apparently, everything I was talking about, about how impossible this shoot was, uh, included was this scene specifically where um, uh, apparently one of the times they were filming it, she literally has to lay there with her boobs out, getting like beat and stuff. Uh, the camera ran out of battery and they had to restart it. Uh, so she out and out refused to be in the scene. It was supposed to be unbroken of the the two main actors there. Uh, and she refused to return. So a lot of it, Ed Harris is having to yell at nothing uh, because she uh, apparently walked out and said, we're not fucking animals and uh, refused to return to film this scene anywhere. Um, but after this long, very intense scene, uh, she actually is resuscitated. It's crazy. Um, it it feels earned, but the scene's super, super long. Uh, it's, it's like the fucking they live it's fight. Too, it's too long. Uh, like, I, I don't even... I don't think the addition of it being that long does anything to add to like her coming back. Like it, it doesn't, I, I guess I would completely disagree in that it feels earned. Um, I think it I, could I think, have been significantly yeah. shorter and gotten the exact same emotional reaction. Uh, I, I think I, as the viewer had to be like, Oh, uh, shit it's not gonna work he's going to lose his wife just if they've uh, begun to come back together like all the characters are telling him to stop and he just can't stop and this is just gonna cut out of the scene at some point and she's gonna be dead and after it's fully tricked me then she comes back to life like it had to go on that long for me to not believe this is just a uh blow into her mouth twice and she's back to life maybe like, i you know i think you could have gotten that without having it be like they all give up and then Ed Harris is still just beating the shit out of a what he thinks is a dead woman. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, this is kind of, I think, where now they're like, well, we got to go down to the aliens or something. They've got to. Uh, so so somebody's still got to go. Motivation here is. Somebody's got to go actually deactivate the bomb. Uh, and that person is Ed Harris, uh, of course. So they put him in the. Uh, the like liquid suit um so he has to inhale the liquid we get a nice scene just like the rat of uh lindsey insisting he's fucking dying in there but he learns to breathe that liquid uh we find out uh device i don't like is that um the liquid like stops you from using your vocal cords so he has a little uh, handheld thing that he types on to send messages back. Yeah. He can hear them, but he has to type back, and that's just kind of slow and plodding. And I wish there was a better way to do him communicating back, but I don't know what you'd really do. Yeah. Um, 
but he gets all the way down there uh finds the bomb um this is like deep ocean water so all he's got is like a glow stick to illuminate so everything's like a shroud of yellow right around him there's like a weirdly like comical scene where the seal is feeding him the information that he has to cut the um uh blue on white wire not the black on yellow wire and in his like yellow light we're looking at the wires with him and they're identical uh so he just has to pick a wire and cut it and uh uh he does it and we cut right off of him as he like closes his eyes and cuts it and then uh we see a message back to the ship that says i'm still here uh so bomb did not go off uh get a big emotional scene now where he knew this was a one-way trip he wasn't going to have uh the air to get back uh he sends back the message think i'll stay down here a while um she's like yelling at him to breathe shallow and swim back and he can't do it um he sends back like love you wife or whatever yeah it's nice nice moment uh, and just as he's about to fade out, a fucking alien shows up, one of the NTIs, yeah, and takes him by the hand as he's, like, passing out. Just a fucking jellyfish stingray man just kind of grabs him by the hand. I'm just like, I wish that was me, man. Being yep. at the bottom of the ocean, just getting to hold hands with an alien who flies you to fucking his <laughs> Gungan city or whatever the fuck is going on <laughs> down there. Yeah, there's always a bigger fish. Um. So uh, <laughs> this is actually the primary while we've been talking about this i've been trying to find exactly the differences here so this is basically where the primarily the like the most time is added to the like runtime of the film um as well as like the addition of like more stuff to like really kind of pad out the like russian conflict but essentially what happens now is he's taken into uh, and i'm going to explain to you i'll tell you exactly what i watched and you can tell me how much of this is not in there. I already know, but I'll let you tell the audience how much is not in there. Um, so he gets taken into the city. They put him into this, like you said earlier. He's like we're in saying a little... city very loosely. So it's it's um, a ship. But, it's a massive yeah. ship, but it it does yeah, look... absolutely enormous. It like completely dwarfs like the U.S. like battle cruiser and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean it... for for reference, it's like miles wide in a trench. Yeah, for reference, when it surfaces, it picks up. I think five U S battleships and a shipping freighter and they're nowhere near each other. Um, and like, they just are sitting on top of this thing. So they, he's taken into the ship and they bring him to this like little oxygenated, um, uh, space where he can get out of his like little pocket atmosphere thing that they made for him. So he gets in there and all of them are on the uh, other side, still in the water. And they start showing him news clips of war and aggression and like humans just being general shitheads to each other as we are wont to do and uh he's like why are you shit like i get it why are you showing me this like okay like thanks how'd you pick up that signal down here yeah what, what is this who's your who get who does your cable can i get some uh and they kind of just have this like back and forth conversation that doesn't really get anywhere because the aliens can't talk. Um, so then the in, in mind, the only way they can communicate with him is showing him his own messages. They like, they do some of that. selected parts of his messages. Yeah. They do some of that. Um, so then they create several mega tsunamis across the world that we get to see cities fleeing from. And um 
I just kept thinking, and it's like, man, what I would just love to catch that swell and just hit <laughs> hit a couple of them lips. Yeah. Uh, and one last ride, dude, go out like Bodie. Yeah, and um, so there, these tsunamis are about to destroy the worlds, but they stop the tsunamis. They stop them. And Bud's like, why'd you do that? Why'd you show me all this shit just to make these tsunamis and then just to stop the tsunamis? And they show him his message, love wife. Uh, And that is apparently enough for them to be like, you did it, Bud. You saved humanity (laughs) by typing love wife on your fucking thing while you had doo-doo brains from breathing water at the bottom of the fucking Marianas Trench or whatever the fuck is going on. Um, Yeah, and then they surface. They save yeah, everybody and they surface. Almost none of that's in the movie. None of the news clips or the tsunamis are in the theatrical cut in any way. I already knew they weren't. I already knew that that's... I've read the synopsis of the differences and it's, I knew that wasn't in there, but yeah. It literally is like... All of that is, it's like 20 minutes. It's its extensive. It's Yeesh. like, I mean, it, we're, they're we only really letting a, us. We only got like a couple of minutes uh, down there. No, uh, Bud is, Ed Harris is in that chamber for an extensive period of time. Yeah, he's and not in there long at all in the theatrical. It's horrible, horrible it's, pacing. Yeah. Um, I just wanted it over so bad at this point yeah when when all that's happening it's he's doing his thing just kind of talking to the aliens he's down there we only get like maybe like two minutes of him in the alien ship or city or whatever and uh then the rest is uh like them coming to terms with his death and um uh getting communication back open to above and saying that they've lost seven people including bud and uh, they're going to launch the rescue mission when all of a sudden uh, they're suddenly all brought up to the surface inexplicably and everything's fine. Yeah, um, that that last shot of the boat surfacing, all the uh, the ship surfacing, all the uh, human ships on top of it, everybody just kind of getting out and walking around and unbelievably confused why uh, Ed Harris is alive still. Uh, that stuff's really good. Uh leaves this like crazy lingering thought of underwater aliens. Um, yeah. Yeah. You would have liked this, uh, the theatrical cut way more. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, just for the sake of that, I would have just made for a more enjoyable and briefer viewing period that wouldn't just, it just feel, it just so it just drags and drags and drags and drags the director's cut. Yeah. Um, two hours 20 isn't short by any means, but it avoids being, it's not three hours over, it, overly that, long. I yeah. mean, if you've, if you watch longer films, you know that two twenty is a world of difference from fucking three hours. It's yeah. But, um, overall, I mean, it's, I think it's a well-made movie. It's definitely, there's, there's all kinds of craftsmanship on display, uh, James Cameron obviously knows what he is doing. He was really pulling out it's a bunch insane of insane. This movie was made. Yeah, it is, was but... was able to be completed. But we'll take a quick break and then we'll talk about what uh, I mean, probably fairly briefly, because this is Leviathan is just a full on monster movie. There is no plot basically to be had. Right. Um, it is 
action horror monster movie and it's it, what i i thought it was a lot of fun so we'll take a quick break and come back a little live uh, okay guys come on all right we're back talking leviathan uh yeah big old monster movie i think right off the bat just note we've got uh peter weller is back from robocop oh we got george cosmatos uh yeah i want to talk about him for a minute um just because I just happened to know that he's like famously a dummy director. Um, so I know this mostly because it's just kind of an open secret that three of his movies have been ghost directed by someone else. Uh, Rambo two that we watched for the pod uh, and Cobra both were ghost directed by Sylvester Stallone. He, he was not in name, but he was the one like calling the dailies and stuff, like telling people what to do and directing the movie. Um, and then really famously, I think even more so, Tombstone was ghost directed by Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie uh, started out with the director, I don't remember his name, who uh, they fired after a month and um, brought him in, Cosmatos in. Um, but Kurt Russell, I mean, everybody attests that Kurt Russell was the real guy. Uh, like Val Kilmer said this in interviews that Kurt Russell, no question directed the movie. Um, and it seems like Kurt Russell probably called up, uh, uh, old Sly Stallone to be like, Hey man, uh, can you get me in touch with that guy who, uh, just lets the actor direct the movie? Who's just a, (laughs) who's just a puppet so I can, uh, close this thing out. Like, yeah, sure. Send him over. What are you doing? Tombstone? I don't want to be in that. Yeah, you take him. He's great. Um, So I don't know. It just really made me wonder about watching a movie. I couldn't find any information about Leviathan um, having something similar going on. I don't think it it did. Um, I don't think so either. But it's just weird that that there would then be movies that the guy actually directed. And I mean, this movie's fun, but it's definitely messy at parts. So. Well, you can I wanna, see why maybe he's not going to be the main guy all the time. I want to point out uh, um, a couple of things that kind of are such a shame where I, I think maybe people need to... I, I don't think this movie is like incredible by any means, right? It's not like some fucking masterpiece. It wasn't nominated for awards, and I understand why. Um, but So we've got George P. Cosmatos as the director. Like We've already talked about it. He's like, whatever. But our cast alone, we've got Peter Weller, Richard Crenna, Ernie Hudson, Daniel Stern, um, all people who are good. Like we've got a good cast. This is a likable cast. Um, but what I really want to point out is the kind of people who are additionally behind the scenes. Uh, so the Jerry movie, Goldsmith score, dude. The uh, the film was written by david peoples and jeb stewart um david peoples most famously wrote blade runner unforgiven and 12 monkeys and jeb stewart the co-writer on it wrote uh most famously 
Die Hard and The Fugitive. Uh, and then his most recently did um, the Vikings show for Netflix. Um, but like those are writing credentials were like really at the top here. But most exciting for me and where the movie really shines and why I find it to be very fun is that Stan Winston did all of the effects for it. Stan Winston most famous for doing every single fucking movie you've ever seen that has killer fucking effects in it. He worked on Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, both uh, James Cameron Terminator movies, Aliens, Avatar, The Thing, uh, Predator, The Relic, Congo. He got some some carryover for uh, James Cameron. He worked on link between these two shit ton of Steven Spielberg movies, including the first two Jurassic parks and war of the worlds. Um, he's been nominated for, I think, what is that? Nine Academy awards. He won two for Terminator two. He's won four total. Uh, I think he's working aliens. Am I right in thinking he's worked exclusively with Phil Tippett? One of our guys. Yeah. Or not exclusively, like extensively, I meant yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, the the man is <laughs> a living fucking legend. Um, or at least was at the time that he was making this. He died in two thousand eight. Um and the monster he makes for this movie at the end of it is fucking sick. It's cool as hell. And what we end up getting with Leviathan is what I think is like a pretty tight, fun little monster movie i mean it feels like alien and the thing and um a little bit yeah, of like event horizon did you read my review stuff. uh yeah i did i mean it's spot on <laughs> like it's it I was, I was gonna say because yeah I, I definitely uh was f- picking up some of the same stuff and, and i mean it's spot on it, it, it so the movie opens and we're basically just similarly to uh the Jerry goldsmith score too like I'm not going to list a bunch of credits, but one of the best yeah. uh, movie musical composers out there. So the uh, we kind of meet our crew similarly that we did to the abyss is just a bunch of working class schmucks. Opening titles are dogs. Scientists. Shit. The opening titles are bad. It's um, just like bubbles with whale sounds. Uh, but we're it's a deep sea silver mining operation so we meet the crew peter weller is our like captain or he's like in charge of the mission it it starts out weird though because we're already on a dive when we meet them yes and the one guy de jesus is like having trouble and like his suit's about to implode and they gotta get him back in safely starting like opening tension uh and stuff um but we just kind of get like a some scenes to kind of really show you who like all of these people are. And that's basically the entire opening of the movie. Ernie Hudson's you're like just every man, average guy. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Stern. Stern's a sex pervert. He's the sex pervert co- comedic relief character. Uh, six pack. He's drinking a Pepsi. Peter Weller. Smashes the Pepsi can to show to Jesus what could have happened to his head. Here when he saw a guy implode in his suit once, that's how it looked. Peter Weller's like like I said in charge of the whole thing. He's um, but he's kind of like he's like a geologist, so he doesn't know why he's there. Um, you've got uh, our kind of female lead is uh, once she gets out of this, she's going into like astronaut training, so she's got like 
she's really into like physical fitness like we learn all these character stuff it's very similar to the abyss and that we're just and we learn that our bowman, them up. we learn bowman has big tits yes it's, it's, it's about it <laughs> she's she's the one character who gets nothing uh which i mean I, I didn't say this movie was perfect i just said it's fun once the monster starts coming up so basically that's like all our whole opening and the movie really starts when six pack and um uh what is the character's name willie elizabeth yeah yeah have to uh they're kind of like Eliz- it's weird that her name is willie but her name is uh elizabeth williams they call her willie for short so she's, she's British. her and six pack kind of get into a thing and as kind of like punishment they've got to go out and like do an extra shift yeah he, something like he's that. he sneaks a crab into a suit that she's got to clean and it scares her uh so then he grabs some penthouses to go to his jack shack and she's put the crab under his pillow and it freaks him out and he like tries to physically attack her yeah and, uh, they like stop him and the guy the the uh manager guy's like well, you you guys just earned yourself a fucking shift tomorrow you want to make it a full shift so while they're out there yeah out there. uh six pack falls like down a ridge and uh willie has to go find him and they find this ship leviathan this russian uh warship and while she's uh, exploring that insane that it's this close and they haven't found it having been down there for two months yeah so they've got three days left of their two-month tour and they had kind of like had no idea this ship was here you kind of like a jump scare where uh six-pack comes around the corner with a safe he thinks he's found like hidden nazi gold or some shit and uh with classic russian nazis yeah when they when they get it back to the ship and get it open, like I said in my synopsis, they basically just find out that, uh, and this is where the movie kicks off. This is the this is the starting point of our like real like plot. Let, let me really quickly run through some of my uh, some some of my notes that are so important from before we get to this point. Ernie Hudson from Ghost from Ghostbusters, nice. Uh, the main guy is reading self help books to be a manager. Uh, Hector Alonso, Elizondo is Cobb doing a le- we live in a society speech. That part's yeah. actually it's insanely out of place and weird where he's just like yeah you go back up and you work your fucking job and then you go to work and then you drive and you sit in traffic at your commute and you try to get a breath of fresh air but the air's so polluted and you got the radio on and your wife and your kids. So he's like happy to be underwater for two months yeah, I he, guess. He likes I don't really there. know um really weird um there's a really weird scene where the two women talk about stocks for an extended amount of time <laughs> like buying stock option in the company uh that yeah it's like really the, weird like the their payment packages that they both accepted and it's a little yeah. bizarre um we, we get it i think you were correct to uh push through most of that i just want to point out that just like i was talking about in the last movie uh, this is one of the biggest. I, I mean, it's this movie is clearly borrowing a lot from Alien and the Thing. Yes. Alien specifically, you've got these blue collar workers who are just doing a mission who find something well, much the, more sinister. Their their ship, you know, their space just looks like the Nostromo. Yeah. Like it's this grimy working class, you know, silver mine at the bottom of the thing. Like they're wearing these big 
like exo suit dive things that are like in two parts that have to get like almost welded together every single time they right. put them on. It's not like the space suit kind of more realistic deep sea diving apparatus that they have in the abyss. This is like pure sci-fi. Um, we should, I appreciate it like more too. for that. Uh, as far as what happens in these movies, their style and structure, these movies aren't really alike Leviathan and the abyss. What uh, is so similar about them is that they're both basically space movies that happen underwater, underwater instead yeah. of in space uh, in that you could sum both of these movies up by saying it's a blah, blah, blah space movie, but it happens underwater. Yeah, it's sure. both of these movies are that, um, yeah, I think you're right to skip over all that, though, because there's so much time setting up who all these characters are. But unlike Aliens, where you love these blue-collar guys and it makes it so much more It doesn't matter. Uh, it impactful. doesn't matter. Yeah, none of these people are likable, especially Daniel Stern, who you're not really supposed to like. But, God, he's so off-fucking-putting in this. And, God, and he that's sucks what, so like, bad. why this movie is, re- like, received the way it is. Because it's like the human element of it doesn't matter. I mean or it's not good and because it's not right. good it doesn't matter and like watch it because you want to see like a really fucking cool you know like deep sea fish monster thing kill a bunch of people um right. so basically what happens now they've got the safe back they're going through these documents and it, it starts painting this very uh horrific and nefarious sort of mysterious uh using just a lot of adjectives um picture of what happened to the leviathan because another thing that, that they you find out during this thing is that well they look up the leviathan based on its like ship records and stuff and that it's it should be out in the baltic and right the the answer to that question is that the russians and we learned this through this safe scuttled the leviathan because they had the entire crew would be in, become infected by some sort of mysterious pathogen and the Russians sank the ship and just decided that they were going to act like it never fucking happened. They're going to put an identical ship out there, call it the Leviathan, and be like, no, it's fine. It's out in the Baltic. It never happened. This, is, this part is exactly like the uh, Norwegians in the thing. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, exactly. the other ship who we get the pathogen from, and now it's too late for any of us. So um, um, we also uh, – so uh, six-pack – becomes infected he's got these like lesions and boils on his back and he he steals some vodka like he sneaks it away from his like findings and he drinks it and he shares some with bowman because as i said her only defining characteristic is she has big tits Mm -hmm. and he's horny so uh he shares some vodka with her um yeah he he goes from having a skin rash to being dead in eight hours in eight hours and the rest of the crew does sneak in there to like steal the vodka, but he's switched it out with water or something. So yeah. not everybody gets infected. Because uh, we do, yet. we also find out later in the movie that the mutagen, the pathogen, was in the vodka somehow, yep. and that's how the Russian they, crew got infected. Because they think this is like Russian, uh, a weapon that they were studying uh, by unleashing it in their own people, putting it in the vodka, and knowing the sailors would drink it become infected and they could uh study how yeah, this they were, works they were, some sort I mean, of weapon maybe it's very similar to aliens in the sense that this the russian government was trying to take whatever this mutagen was to make a bioweapon and because of that i also started getting a lot of like resident evil vibes from it so they're, they're trying to oh, make definitely. a bioweapon 
it got out of hand. They had to scuttle the whole thing. So the only people that know about this at this point are Sixpack, who is dead, the Doctor, Richard Crenna, and uh, Beck, Peter Weller's character. And they're trying to hide it from everybody else just to keep everybody calm. The problem they're, is that they're, they're Bowman, passing it on to their like their higher employer up. on the, the surface. Yeah. yeah. Um, who is basically like name? there's a hurricane coming so that's another reason Her, these yeah exactly exactly she she claims they can't uh rescue them they down need there 12 hours a hurricane coming uh they become um, they, be, they become increasingly paranoid that she knows what's down there and wants them to experience it uh her name's miss martin i just looked up um but yeah she's uh just like Wayland yutani the evil uh, yes. capitalist overlord who's just subjecting these people to uh uh whatever is going to happen i i mean like i after like watching the movie it's the people who wrote this you know this this script was picked up and then developed basically because somebody watched alien and the thing and said what if we did this underwater that would make a really really cool uh you know sort of like way to kind of get catch this wave and um it is uh so the only other person that knows about it is bowman because now she's started to show the same sort of effects that six pack did well bowman says i ain't going out like no bitch i'm gonna kill myself uh so she 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 sneaks into the medical bay looking for help and she finds a dead six pack um and she looks at his like the inside of his forearm and she sees like there's like gills growing out of it and stuff moving and stuff despite him being dead um which is the thing that happens he's like developing scales and stuff before he dies um so she doesn't want that uh body horror to happen to her so she takes matters into her own hands yeah kills herself in the shower so uh i forget exactly who finds bowman but they find bowman and now the whole crew they they, like all something's going on yeah, it's uh, it's Willie and Jones, uh, the the only surviving lady and Ernie Hudson. So uh, they take um, they take Bowman's care Bowman's body and put her in the infirmary with six pack, and uh, kind of like leave them there. We get a couple other like little character things uh, as the characters kind of fig- try and figure out how they're gonna go about this. There's, and there's a good scene where um, uh jones goes into the medical bay and is just talking to six pack under the sheet about what's going on he's like there's some weird shit going on out here uh he's just talking to six pack totally covered up like a dead body and then he moves a little bit despite us knowing he's dead and he's like oh sorry you're sleeping get back to it buddy i'm sorry i won't bother you but we're like oh man there's something gross under there yeah uh so when they finally decide basically like oh we gotta we should maybe like get them off the ship they go back there. Uh, their two corpses have fused together into one entity, and now we are fully in the thing, and yeah. it is just tentacles and weird shit for yeah, the rest of the movie. It's the thing. Um, if it's like when the thing uh kills all the dogs. Yes. Except instead of dog stuff, it's general underwater. Uh, yeah, yeah. Features. Yeah. So they take this uh bowman six-pack amalgamation fish beast and put it in their sort of like the rig they use to kind of go outside the ship and they're like we got to send this thing fucking out the water 
Like we're not. Uh, that's against regulations. We can't be dumping bodies. They're like, yeah, this ain't a body no more. Body. We gotta dump this shit. <laughs> so and, uh, there's there's a fun scene as they're carrying it away. I forget which one of the characters. Somebody's like, it moves. Somebody's alive in there. They're like, that ain't them anymore. We gotta yeah. get this thing to fight. That's only making it worse. Do not stop to check what's in there. So they have to like fight against the Bowman six pack beast, and they do manage to get it out. Except one of the leg tentacles is severed and falls back inside the vessel and they're not necessarily aware of this yeah it's Um, really weird because we're super aware of it and we don't get a good like positioning of it like it doesn't look like it's hidden so i thought they were just ignoring it for no reason uh but i guess i'm to assume they didn't see it fall back in yeah so the next thing that happens is that the tentacle has turned itself into a like lamprey snake and it um attacks that's, De Jesus. that's pretty accurate yeah it yeah. attacks De jesus by kind of impaling him in the chest and it eventually yeah, manages to, make, to like drag he's him trying away. to make popcorn yeah. uh so then he can uh go help ernie hudson do a puzzle and so this is <laughs> basically this this scene plays out a lot like uh the severed head scene from the thing after it bites off the guy opens its chest and bites off the doctor's arm uh because it's now kind of assimilating de jesus and now that it's become its own like entity it kind of just like rips its way out of there and now we've got a beast just fully they know they've got the like this problem is still here um so now it's a de jesus lamprey tentacle monster and it's going to be attacking the crew but uh the next thing we learn is that it needs to uh, drink blood because it, it 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 it's ransacked the medical bay and drank a bunch of plasma and we get my favorite line from the entire fucking movie yeah, yeah don't yeah i got it written down too you got that direct quote yep yep you go ahead and say it but ernie hudson after he's been explained <laughs> what has happened here and what and is it going needs on blood to grow is he yells emphatically you're telling me we got a goddamn dracula in here with us and yeah. i said Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, dude. that is what they're telling you, Ernie. You're very um, right. So, yeah, uh, taking all of the blood, very much reminiscent of the thing once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use both chainsaws and flamethrowers as weapons against it now. Very reminiscent of Alien and the Thing. Yeah, I, I completely I, now. I made a note like a little bit later on because they start having like the flamethrowers are in play and they, they, they start talking about how oxygen and the, uh, in the like their base is running low so it's you know what you need to use uh, a device that just shoots a massive amount of fire all around right. this uh this space where you're losing oxygen rapidly well though ernie is yelling about goddamn draculas and uh, <laughs> lamenting the loss of all of their blood supply <laughs> uh <laughs> Richard Crenna, the doctor character who is kind of our second lead at this point because he's kind of like showed up and he's kind of like when we first meet him, we think he's like a slacker because he's like abandoned his post for the mission while De Jesus is like freaking out and he's supposed to be on on deck the entire time. He's kind of the person who's decided like immediately like this is a serious issue. I'm not going to like even like fuck around with the idea that like this can't be happening that like we're dreaming kind of thing. He takes it deadly serious immediately. Uh, he kind of sneaks away and he they have two of these escape pod things that are these kind of like bubbles that they can get into 
and they'll just kind of like surface immediately uh rapidly and safely but he tearfully and i think it like for this movie more acting richard crana put like his all into it um he just like is tearfully makes his way to the escape pod controls and releases both of them like making the decision like we have to do what the russians did like this cannot get back to the surface it cannot get out like it just we, we can't he does the uh he does the wilford brimley uh taking the axe to all the radio equipment yep. to isolate themselves uh make the difficult decision we have to let this thing die here with us now um, now the only people left alive are uh beck peter weller's character uh jones ernie hudson willie and doc uh at some point we didn't mention it it doesn't really matter but Cobb dies as well mm -hmm. uh he goes out with a full chest burster Uh, yeah it's it's weird to completely rip the chest burster but do it as like the fourth kill instead of the first one but Mm -hmm. uh whatever i mean yeah that all happens so it is quickly though revealed that doc has also been infected assimilated he's got a cool little like uh mouth in his hand that's very reminiscent of again the chest scene from uh the thing which is none of this should be surprising now that we've told you that stan winston worked on this fucking movie because he also did all of the effects on the thing like the man is just this this stuff all looks good too it all looks worse than the thing but still good only only slightly because i think just overall this had a lower production value and like the way it's shot is not as masterful i would say um but stan winston is fully in his fucking bag doing his thing pulling out all his fucking tricks because we get like the monster once we see it in full has like all of the crew members like faces like in it like it's this like hellraiser type fucking like just amalgamation of flesh um there's tentacles there's all kinds of stuff like it is the dude is doing his damnness to make this movie look fucking sick like a really really cool monster horror movie so basically now we're um, just the the monsters there's there's one good part in here still where they like last ditch effort after Cobb dies i think right before doc dies uh where they try to um tell the miss martin uh topside like we need help right fucking now and this is when she like yeah uh that storm's right on top of you now we can't come down there it's gonna be like 48 hours she like ups the timeline mm-hmm. and um uh basically says help's not coming uh the unsaid word is uh we wanted you to be another part of this experiment and die down there uh ernie hudson coming through once again being the coolest guy in this movie uh when she shuts off the uh, feed to them he just says welcome to the union boss we're all expendable like damn dude this guy's this guy's the best ernie hudson's fucking killing this movie um but all right, get back into what you were talking about. Uh, so basically just like the monster is like complete at this point. Uh, this is just full Ate on. enough blood to get to full form. This is just or, full on. Hopefully um, this is its full form. Yeah. But we're just at full on action climax now. It's the three remaining crew members versus this monster going around, uh, fighting it off where they can, trying to make their way to their suits that do also have these kind of emergency escape valve type things and they they managed to get there 
but at this point, the, like, like I said, the monster is complete. It looks sick as shit. The coolest, the closest thing that I can say that it looks like it's it's got these like more it's more tentacly, but in its top half where it's actually like whatever this like beast is, it looks like a deep sea version of the Gilman. Like if if you made a Gilman from Creature from the Black Lagoon, but its base instead of just being like a fish was specifically like an angler fish or like a deep sea fish mm-hmm. with this or like an eel with like those like where it can detach its jaw kind of thing to like yeah shoot it's got it a big crazy like mandible like insectoid almost mandible thing going on look but, up look and up then also on Leviathan the side monster. of it it's cool as shit yeah it's it's also randomly got like a golem of all the faces yeah. uh, that it's consumed just in the side of it as well because it's 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 this beast is not what it is but this mutagen has assimilated these different deep sea creatures from being sunk on the leviathan as well as the crew members and it's kind of it's made this creature very similar to like the thing that it's just it is an entity that can assume various different shapes based on what it comes in contact with um they all managed to escape uh willie think and it's Jones a happy ending get up there cause... at the top and yeah, you th- they're up at the surface. The three of them, a Coast Guard ship is coming. You get a very clumsy final jump scare where the the Leviathan, I think is probably what you would call it, comes up and starts attacking them. Well, before that, before that, before that, uh, they get to the surface. The Coast Guard ships aren't quite there yet, but they like can't believe they've made oh, it. Oh, that's think, right. We think we've left uh, the creature at the bottom of the ocean and they're all safe now randomly there's sharks they get attacked by there's a couple just, of sharks for some there's, reason there's just sharks that bump into them for a minute and then uh stop being an issue as the coast guard ship pulls up and then you get the jump scare of uh the leviathan monster surfacing it's, it's immediately bad. killing ernie hudson it's very clumsy uh, it looks great but the, the monster uh, looks great. a mess the scene yeah. is clumsy it's very and i was unclear. like oh fuck i thought they were gonna let the black guy survive this fucking movie and they kill him at the fucking goal line it's, it's very unclear whether or not like it's you see him kind of like sink but it's not clearly shot that ernie hudson is actually dead until you see like him not in the next scene basically like in the next moments where it's like oh no i killed him but you get another great moment peter weller has a grenade for some reason no idea when or where he got it but he's got it he like a stick grenade he pops it yells the one-liner Say ah, Say- motherfucker, <laughs> and then does what I can only explain or describe as the kind of exaggerated joke jump shot motion you make when you yell Kobe and then throw a paper ball 30 feet across a room and have no hope of making it into a wastebasket. Like, yeah. it's this little like drop like, shot just yeah and uh it goes <laughs> in, flick it goes into the mouth of the monster and it blows to bits and that's the end of the movie it's great it's like it's the, the coast guard guys are like oh we gotta hurry up and get him out of there <laughs> they literally say that it's it's such a great like goofy schlocky final moment that does I just, save I lost the super mind. clumsy ending i lost my mind when he says say ah motherfucker um not quite the actual ending because they do get safely back to like their command post where miss martin is uh she comes up to them uh uh smiling evilly and says i'm so glad you guys are okay uh we of course realized there was never a hurricane by this point because it's like beautiful tropical waters Mm -hmm. they're supposed to be um uh just off the coast of florida i believe 
Um, and uh, walking by with uh, Willie on his arm, he just punches out Miss Martin and walks on by. Yep. Love um, to see it. This movie was an unexpected treat. Um, I don't know where I got this idea, why I just assumed this, but I thought this was just going to be people underwater and there was going to be like um, a big scary whale or a giant squid <laughs> or something attacking them. I had no idea that this was the direction this movie was going to go in. I don't know where I got in my mind that this was like, uh, yeah, you're just down there with a, a large normal entity uh, uh, attacking you in some way. But uh, it shouldn't be any surprise this borrows so much from – uh, two of my favorite movies of all time, Alien and The Thing, that uh, I can't help but like it. It's easy to look at it as a cheap knockoff, which it is. Um, so there's no way it's even close to as good as either one of those. It feels um, unearned. It feels uh, like it's ripping off rather than paying homage. But uh, it's still way better than what I thought I was going to get out of this movie. Uh, I give it three out of five. Uh, the first half hour or so, I was ready for this to be like a one and a half, two. And then it uh, kicked itself into overdrive with uh, cool monster stuff. Uh, I I mean, biased, just like this is a rating purely based on just how much fun I had watching the movie and enjoying like Stan Winston just being a master at his craft. Um, gave it a four. I I think this movie deserves its kind of like cult following. I think the the monster itself deserves to be talked about more. Uh it it does borrow a lot from, great. from Alien um and the thing, but it borrows the right things and not in a you know, it it feels like somebody who really understood those movies and not just somebody trying to capitalize on the fact that they were successful and trying to like emulate those things it's like they're actually doing those things not as well obviously but well enough to make for an entertaining movie and the cast is good enough to carry it despite a weaker script and you know not being great on on a lot of different fronts um if you go into it expecting like a dumb monster feature you're gonna have a nice time it delivers on every single one of those fronts and like if that's something you're into then it's a hundred percent worth watching um dan what do we also just uh just real quick to sum up the abyss as well uh i would highly recommend that movie like i would say probably the least scene of james cameron's non-piranha to the spawning movies um but it sounds like the correct thing is to definitely watch the theatrical don't, cut. Watch don't, the two hour and twenty minute cut. Don't don't watch the it director's sound, cut. It sounds like do not watch the director's cut. It, it absolutely ruined that movie for me. Um, where like I'm rating it around like a three. Like we're Dan and I are like literal exact opposite like ratings yeah. for these two movies. I, get, I got four and, for Abyss, three for Leviathan. Sounds like you got the exact opposite. Yeah, and and it's purely because like that director's cut makes it just into a fucking slog it's just it's just it's not a fun movie to watch for three hours it's just not so as long as james cameron keeps making big wet movies i'll be watching yeah baby we do love those water i mean i I respect the man for just putting water in all of his movies it's great i love it um dan what are we watching next week well speaking of wet movies max you still a little dry over there yeah 
You want to keep watching some wet ones? Yeah, because because we're going to give me some wet um, ones. I uh, I thought about just picking two more from the same list. Uh, between eighty nine and ninety, there were like hmm. six different undersea movies. Yeah, we could watch um, Deep Star Six. I think was one of them or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's there's a couple that I don't know what most of them are, but uh, we're not going to. We're going to the year two thousand two, uh, one year after the towers uh, fell. We're gonna be watching two submarine movies. They're below. And K nineteen, the Widowmaker. Okay. Cool. Well, K nineteen, the Widowmaker is the third in a, a big run of flops by Catherine Bigelow. <laughs> yeah, you've been on a you've been on a big uh, Bigelow kick. I'm, I'm watching through her filmography for the Blank Check podcast. Get on. Well, which I, I almost got out of this episode without mentioning that, but <laughs> here we are anyway. Look, uh, look forward to those for next week. Or, or maybe don't look forward to it, but you got to listen anyway. Uh, you don't have a choice. Um, but for now, we've been Doubled Feature. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Doubled Feature and at Doubled Feature, respectively. You can send an email to our email account, uh, doubledfeaturepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow Dan and I on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can see our reviews early and see what we might, you know, see those movies we're watching and get ready anticipate the what you've been watchings of you know days to come uh dan is at danny jankum i am at mac underscore dead uh please rate review subscribe to the podcast where you can it helps us out we'd like to give a special shout out and thanks as always to ryan at ryan laser on twitter for our theme music and sam at hero institute for our logo you can read sam's webcomic life of a stepdad see more of his art on his twitter and you can read the webcomic that Sam and I do together called Nerds Day at NerdsDayNerdsDay.com. Um, did it kind of out of order this week? But any Whatever. Last, any last words for the people, Dan? Uh, yeah, as I do every week, I just want to remind everybody uh, when they're going back to their bunk to jack off to nudie mags to definitely be safe and check under your pillow for deep sea crabs. Yeah.